Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mostly NBA podcast. This is Michael Higgins. I'm Jacob Farrell. I'm Matt LaVey. This is Cam Kutsky. And it's good to get going again here as we start the new year in 2017. Lots to talk about um, in both the NBA and the NFL. So it's an exciting time in sports uh, here in January. Coming up on the All-Star game for the NBA, um, and a lot of the seedings in each of the conferences are starting to be decided. So that's where I wanted to start. Um, taking a look at the East, some of the top seeds. You got Cleveland in first, uh, closely followed by Toronto and Boston, and then Atlanta a little farther out. Um, and then over in the West, Golden State is not running away with it. Right on their heels, you got San Antonio, and then Houston and the Clippers round out the top four in the West. So looking at the East, um, it, starting the new year, the Cavaliers have not quite looked like the defending champions. Um, they've lost, I believe, five of their last six. Um, currently today, which is you know the last week of January, as I said, coming up on the All Star break, they're trying to finish strong. Um, they've had struggles against you know mediocre teams, teams that you wouldn't expect them to be losing to, um, which has prompted uh, comments by LeBron James, almost aimed at ownership, trying to get um, more talented pieces, people who can score while he's on the bench. Um, they were known last year for having such a deep bench, and that was something that was really seen in the NBA Finals last year, but they were kind of left without a point guard with the departures of Mo Williams and Matthew Dellavedova. So when you don't really have a true backup point guard on the floor with the kind of space they have in their shooting, um, it can be hard for them to get a rhythm going. And it seems that the uh, minutes handling the ball for LeBron James and Kyrie Irving have definitely taken toll on the Cavs at this point in the season. Much like last season, the Toronto Raptors are hanging around in that second seed. Um, they're definitely a legitimate threat in the East and a legitimate threat in the NBA. Whenever you have a duo that can score like DeMar DeRozan, especially this year, and Kyle Lowry, um, that's a pretty dangerous team. So in the East, Cleveland and Toronto seem to definitely be the top dogs. But Boston, now that they are fully healthy and really playing well, um, have solidified themselves as a top three East team. And again, another threat in the East. Um, that addition of Al Horford is really starting to show how valuable that is. And Isaiah Thomas is just playing out of his mind, I think, right now. So um, it's definitely going to be a, a tough a tough battle, I think, later in the playoffs in the East. But it'll be interesting to see how, um, when the dust settles in the coming months, uh, who is going to round out that top four. Over in the West, Golden State has definitely been playing stellar basketball. Not quite to the level of last year, but you can't really compare any team to the best hey, regular season record of all time. It's kind of unfair um, to the Warriors, especially with how many new pieces they have. Not just Kevin Durant, but a lot of that bench was revamped. So uh, they have a they have a lead in the West right now over the San Antonio Spurs, who continue to chug along as the NBA's uh, best-run organization, in my opinion. Um, they continue to fill in spaces where they need help, and um, Greg Popovich has just evolved um, over the years in each year to sort of fit the needs of what the NBA is throwing at them as the NBA has evolved in its game, especially now being such a high-scoring kind of league. Um, Houston and the Clippers round out the top four in the West. The Rockets have been playing much better this year than I expected. James Harden has really been just phenomenal. Um, the Clippers are facing a little bit of injury trouble. They've got their point guard and star player Chris Paul missing, um, but I would definitely expect them to pick it back up once he's back. Um, you know, you saw how well the Clippers were playing in the beginning of the season, so I think that um, you know bringing Paul back better that he gets injured now if he's going to get injured at all than um, later into April and May. All right, so Jacob, as I said, you know the top four in the East, it's kind of um, kind of a cluster right now. We'll have to see how uh, things end up looking. But as of right now, coming into the All-Star break, uh, what are your thoughts on how the East is shaping up? 
The East is interesting to me. It's definitely been the most interesting conference, more so, much more so than the West in recent memory, um, simply because there hasn't been one or two completely dominant teams. There's always the possibility of an upstart in the in the East, which is fun. It makes for good basketball and good viewing. Um, you can definitely tell the Cavs' grasp loosening uh, on that throne. You, like you said before, they're not playing like a defending champion team, and it can be attributed to LeBron and Kyrie just getting played and played and played and played. But it'll be interesting to see how they work with that if the owners don't find someone to fill in for Kyrie. Other than the Cavs, Toronto, Boston, Atlanta um, are all looking strong. No real surprise there. They were all strong last season as well. Boston may be looking a bit better than they were last season, but like you said, Al Horford's definitely doing good things for them. Um, and, of course, Dwight Howard on the Hawks is continuing to prove good for them. Some upstarts in the in the East, the Wizards are at number nine right now in the power rankings. Um, that's cool to see, I guess. I always liked John Wall as a player. Not a fan of the Wizards simply due to rivalry reasons. And the Sixers just want to talk about them and their seeming turnaround. I I don't want to speak too soon, but they're 8-2 and two in 2017. So, I mean, obviously it's not going to last. But it's it's cool to see things working out, at least in the short run for them. Um, it's good to see Joel, Joel Embiid come out and play uh, superbly like he has done. And seeing the process work. Um, I put quotation marks around that. We'll have to see if things continue to go well for them. I don't know where Ben Simmons is at with his injury, but uh, when he comes in, he could prove to make them even better. So it should be fun. <laughs> I'd never thought I'd be saying the 76ers could have a chance in the East, but hey, that's why it's such a fun conference. I do want to say I'm really disappointed in the Knicks uh, being trash. <laughs> uh, I, 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 could have sworn it was going to be, you know, 76ers where the Knicks are now. I I definitely thought the Knicks were going to be a lot better than they are. But something about that, their lineup is just not meshing at all. So a little disappointing there. So, Matt, what do you think about the East right now? Yeah, looking at the East right now, Cleveland obviously... Um, you know, started out the season really strong, um, but they're on that skid right now. As you t- mentioned earlier, Mike, uh, lost five out of their last seven games. Cleveland's just not playing well lately. Um, as LeBron said lately, too, they're just a really top-heavy team. Obviously, their starting lineup um, has improved greatly. Obviously, Kevin Love, Kyrie, um, those guys obviously contribute every night, but their bench is lacking. You know, they brought in Kyle Culver to try and fill that playmaker role for the team, and um, it's still going to take some time, you know, before he fully develops uh, into what they want him to be there. Um, it's going to keep some time just to get into that offense that Tyron Lue runs. But uh, as LeBron and uh, you know has mentioned lately and has been uh, insisting the top management that they need a point guard straight up. And um, as the season rolls along and as they certainly get into the playoffs, they are going to need a point guard that can come in and fill in for Kyrie and just facilitate the ball and um, just get the ball to their playmakers. Not to mention, too, though, we still got to take into consideration that J.R. Smith is still injured. So when he comes back, hopefully, you know, barring, you know, it doesn't take him too long to get back into rhythm. That's obviously going to be a major improvement for them. Um, you know, kind of heading from there, though, looking in Toronto, they're playing really good ball lately. Um, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry doing their thing. Uh, Boston and the Hawks are kind of neck and neck lately. Um, you know, obviously Al Horford has improved their offense dramatically up there. Um, he's just the kind of big man 
that it's not your traditional five where you're just in the post the whole time. Al Horford can truly, you know, spread it out to the wing. He can shoot the three ball, so he just brings that extra element to your offense. And, um, you know, as he rounded out, the Wizards playing well. Um, not too many surprises, I guess. The only thing I guess you could say is surprising, Jacob kind of touched on a little bit, is the Knicks. They're just, oh my goodness, it's just a dysfunctional mess right now up in New York. There's all this controversy right now with Phil Jackson and um, Carmelo Anthony. You know, will they look to trade him, even though he's got that no-trade clause? Um, all this drama just seems to really be putting a cloud, you know, over New York right now, and they're just not playing good basketball as of late. Cam, what do you think? All righty, Matt. So I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be talking about the Heat real quick. Uh, kind of crazy to think. So 2014, when they were the dominant basketball team of the NBA, and now they're kind of a sad, falling apart, dysfunctional family. But uh, you know, no surprise that they're no surprise that they're not doing too well this year. Not expecting a playoff push. So yep, no surprise with Toronto, Boston, and Cleveland. Cleveland top three teams. Uh, but Cam, what do you think of that Dion Waiters buzzer beater? So that was pretty exciting against the uh, Golden State Warriors. Deion Waiters throws up a nice three just as the time's going out, and then we see a pretty nice pose from Deion Waiters. Go ahead, Matt. I, I was just going to say, I was going to ask you guys, so what do you guys think? What was greater, though? I got to find out here. Was the pose greater or the shot greater? Wow. Okay, okay, 100% the pose because I know Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters spent several years in Cleveland. He will take He's that shot that every good. night. He will take <laughs> that shot every night. And he hits it once, and then that'll justify all the other times that he takes it. So, barring, barring, obviously he had a great game. But you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of when you're playing pickup basketball with your buddies, and there's that one friend that can't make any shot the whole entire game, but ends up hitting the buzzer beater exactly. at the end. And he's That's always taking those shots. Yeah. No, that is, that is what Deion Waiters is in the, in the NBA. All right, and going into the West real quick, um, not too much of a surprise up top with Golden State and San Antonio. Um, I'm not going to touch too much on them. I really would like to talk about Houston, though. This is a team that in the first year under Mike D'Antoni, uh, you know, the offense has been clicking on all cylinders. James Harden has turned into not just the you know 40 points and 40 turnovers kind of guy. He's turned into a very complete player, you know, posting triple doubles all the time and insane kinds of triple doubles. I'm talking like 15 rebounds, 14 assists to go with you know 35, 36 points. So. The Rockets have really turned into a huge threat in the West um, in that second tier because really Golden State is the first tier, and then there's kind of like a there's kind of like a one A and a one B in the West. I feel, and the Rockets have you know slid into that one B with San Antonio, so they're definitely a much tougher team than I expected them to be. And you know, like I said, first year head not a first year head coach, but first year under head coach Mike D'Antoni, they have been um, quite a surprise out there. Yeah, Michael, um, like you said, West isn't really too surprising. Like I said earlier, it's not as, as fun or as dynamic a conference as I think the East is. But uh, if you're a Warriors fan, it's fun, I suppose. But yeah, as you said, Rockets are definitely on a hot streak right now. Uh, James Harden playing like an MVP candidate, like he should, and like he kind of always has. Uh, but he's definitely, I think, stepped up his game this year to another level. It's really fun watching the MVP battle swing between him and Westbrook. That's that's the most entertaining thing in the West right now to me. Is just and especially when they play against each other, watching them just go at it is very entertaining. Yeah, I want to interject real quick on that. I think it's funny that you know for a long time they were showing you know oh the top four MVP candidates and it, you would see. Russell Westbrook, then James Harden, then Kevin Durant, you know, the three ex-teammates, obviously. And it's funny that, you know, you would think, oh, if two of these guys are going to be um, in the MVP race, you know, atop the MVP race, 
you would think that Durant would be one of them, but really it's proving to be Westbrook and Harden out there in the West. Now, Durant is playing extremely well in his first season um, on the Warriors. He's obviously, as people thought, taking a lot of the um, pressure, but also a lot of the numbers kind of away from Steph Curry. They've uh, definitely expanded their offense to include Durant um, a lot more, and Curry isn't getting those kind of shots that he used to. But that's not really what they need. Um, They're scoring at a ridiculous rate with Durant and Curry on the floor. But, yeah, I just wanted to comment on how two ex-teammates of Durant are kind of battling for the MVP right now. And you were right about what you said when they play each other. The top teams in the West, those top players, you know, Leonard, Durant, Harden, Westbrook, whenever there's a matchup with two of those teams, those guys really have been showing up this year. And those have been, I think, the um, most fun regular season games. Yeah, no doubt about that, though, guys. The matchups in the West, every night you're going to get a good matchup between a bunch of guards and obviously Durant, Westbrook, and Harden playing extremely well. Just to kind of you know go back to what you guys were talking about, the Rockets. Oh, my goodness. James Harden is just having a phenomenal year, if we haven't said that enough already. Um, currently averaging 28 points a game, uh, 8 rebounds, and 11 and a half assists. Uh, that's crazy. He's obviously just, you know, throughout the years been known as just a scorer. And um, this year, just you know, kind of filling in that point guard position, Mike D'Antoni has really just brought out the best in him as a player all around. He's spreading the ball good. And um, another stat I just want to point out about the Rockets so far, uh, they've got five guys currently averaging double figures. So that's um, a really good stat that shows you that they're obviously you know an unselfish basketball team. They're willing to spread it around and get different guys involved. And that's what it takes to truly be a successful offense in this league. You're going to have to have multiple guys that can score the basketball. And not to mention, uh, they have been playing really good defense as of late, too. San Antonio, um, really interesting, too. Obviously, they had a really good game uh, against Cleveland a couple nights ago and whatnot. Uh, just a great performance against them. Really great game, too. But um, Greg Popovich has those boys playing really well. And it's just got me thinking a lot. I don't know what you guys think. I kind of want to get your opinion on this. But do you think, uh, come down to the wire, that San Antonio, you know, maybe possibly would be able to take Golden State in the playoffs or no? That's a great question, Matt. I think uh, San Antonio, they have the history. They're always a dominant team. I think they could take Golden State any day. Golden State's still newly kings of the basketball world, I guess you could say. Veterans always know what they're doing. I, I resent yeah. your king of the NBA comment. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> what do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think it's hard to say right now. You know, I, I think, you know, they've only played the one time, right? the opening night when the Spurs just dismantled them, which I don't think that's a very um, fair look at that matchup considering it was the, you know, the Warriors' first night with like eight new guys <laughs> and the Spurs, um, like Cam said, have been around together a while. They've been playing together a while and that's, um, you know, a very familiar team with each other. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd have to see that matchup again. Right now, the Spurs obviously look like very good. Like they could take anybody. Um the playoffs are kind of a different animal, but I would I would never doubt the Spurs. <laughs> I'll put it that way. So some steady storylines heading into the All-Star break in the NBA. We'll take a look at some other sports after a quick break. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Mostly NBA podcast, as it is time to switch gears from the NBA, and we'll talk a little bit of NFL now. We got Super Bowl 51 coming up between the Falcons and the Patriots, guys, and both these teams just playing outstanding football as of late. 
Uh, the Falcons with a huge NFC Championship game against the Packers just obliterated them, guys. 44-21, to the offense exploded, and um, the defense was able to put you know pressure on Aaron Rodgers and uh, just really make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, moving over to the AFC, the Patriots just really put a beating on the Steelers, and uh, the Steelers just seemed just a weird week, too, leading up to that AFC Championship game, obviously with Antonio Brown and all the saga surrounding that. Just felt like it was a huge distraction for them. But uh, nevertheless, though, Patriots are advancing uh, to the Super Bowl, and it's going to mark the seventh time, guys, the seventh time that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are going to the Super Bowl together. How crazy is that? That's wild. Yeah, that's quite a run of success. That is reminiscent of the Spurs and the NBA, like we've been talking about, um, you know, the 2000s Yankees almost. You know, that's quite a dynasty. Um, not that they've won every Super Bowl they've been in, but you just expect them to be there every year. Um, this year, no different. Um, a little bit weirder of a season because they didn't have star tight end Rob Gronkowski. But, you know, Brady just Brady and Belichick, they find a way to make it work. Um, obviously, the offense was still there for New England, but I don't think it was quite as surprising as Atlanta's offense this year. Matt Ryan had just an insane year um, behind Atlanta's much improved offensive line. Um, an MVP candidate for sure, Matt Ryan, probably playing against another MVP candidate in Tom Brady, who is just the ageless wonder out in the AFC. So yeah, as Matt said, you know, um, seventh Super Bowl appearance for Belichick and Brady after you know their 11th AFC championship appearance in almost as many years. So I think it's going to be a really cool Super Bowl. I never expected Atlanta to get out of the NFC. I think um, going into the playoffs, it certainly seemed like Dallas was the team to beat, at least in my opinion. And then as we got through the playoffs, Green Bay, um, Rodgers had just an insane uh, streak there offensively, and Green Bay was just dismantling teams. And I actually said it to one of my friends um, before the w- this past weekend's uh, conference championship started that it looked like Green Bay was the team to beat. And then what do they do? They go out there and get absolutely demolished by Atlanta. So I think I'm definitely excited just for the city of Atlanta. They haven't had um, too many hugely successful teams. Um, They've had a lot of heartbreak in the past, probably what, since, you know, the mid nineties with the uh, success of the Atlanta Braves. Um, You know, you had a couple of good Hawks teams there. You had a couple of good Braves teams there, but you know, the Falcons being, you know, they're here, they're there, they're at the Super Bowl, they have the chance to bring a championship to Atlanta, um, and their foe is just obviously, you know, kind of looking like the uh, the evil empire out there in the AFC, the New England Patriots, um, not a surprise that they ran into them, so happy for Atlanta, good for them, they got a huge uh, test ahead of them. All right, guys, and now that we know the facts, it's time to talk about predictions. Now, I don't like the Patriots, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, so... Uh, I know who I don't want to win. Um, however, I do. I like the Falcons. I like the fact that they're kind of the underdog team. I always root for the underdog. I, know it's, I always root for the underdog. I know that's kind of a cliche thing to do, but oh well. Um, and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones um, have just been dominating. So perhaps not too much of an underdog uh, coming in facing Tom Brady and uh, Belichick in the Super Bowl. But yes, I will go with the Falcons winning Super Bowl 51-20 to the Patriots 17. All right, so as a Miami Dolphins fan, I obviously am against the Patriots being in the same division and all. But uh, I'm going to I'm gonna shock myself here, and I'm going to say the Patriots are going to end up winning this game. Final score is going to be 35-17. It's going to be close at first, but then once... Tom Brady gets in his groove. He's going to just start rolling over those Falcons. 
Yeah, Cam, I, I'm kind of feeling the same way, guys. Um, I'm a little bit indifferent, I guess you could say. I just feel that it's going to be a really close game personally. I honestly think that you know Matt Ryan and the Falcons are going to come ready to play, even though they haven't been in this position before. But um, if I had to really just put all my money out there, I would have to take the Patriots in this game just because of that experience factor. Obviously, Tom Brady and Belichick, like we just talked about, man. They've been here before. They've been in the situation countless times. So I'm going to go with Patriots winning this game. I'm going to go 27-24. Yeah, I think I'm with uh, most people here. I'm rooting for the Falcons, but not really because I hate the Patriots. I I do dislike them, but kind of just because they're they're you know they're always there. They're a team that you know continues to win. It's kind of fun to see teams like the Falcons in there who don't have this kind of success all the time. So I'm rooting for the city of Atlanta. I'm rooting for the Falcons because um, it would be good for them. It would be really cool for them to get their uh, you know all all these players in their first championship experience to be able to come out of it with a win. However. Um, I think that the shocking defense they put up against the Packers, I don't see that rolling into this next game. I think that the Patriots come in really hungry in a different sense than the Falcons. Um, like we've said, the Patriots have been there before, and the fact that they haven't won in a few years, um, while that's probably you know, a blessing for those Patriots fans that they can even say, oh, we haven't won in several years. You know, This is a team that expects excellence. They've put it up for so long. So they're probably not all too happy remembering uh, the, the sour taste that's still in their mouth from losing to the eventual champion Denver Broncos in last year's AFC Championship. So I think the Patriots come ready. They come in comfortable. I expect the Falcons to come out probably a little more nervous. Um, it's a it's a big moment. It's a lot different than just a run through the NFC playoffs. You know, this is it. This is the game. This is the Super Bowl. And it's against the New England Patriots. So I think that not really – I don't see really rookie mistakes being made but I just think that they don't settle in quite as easily as the Patriots do. I think Brady finds his groove, um, and I'm going to go with the Patriots. I don't know what the score is going to be, but I'm going to go with the Patriots comfortably, I believe, 10 to 13 points. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly awkward when uh, Roger Goodell hands Brady the, uh, the trophy. All right, everyone, and that about wraps up our... Super Bowl predictions. Feel free to berate us after the fact um, on how horribly wrong we were. Um, and that, in fact, wraps us up for the night. So on behalf of myself, Michael, Matt, and Cam, thank you for tuning in. Bye.